Welcome to the Not Work Storytelling Podcast. This is the show where we untangle our myths and reweave our stories, one ancient tale at a time. I'm your host, Marisa Gowdy. I'm a word witch, a writing coach, a story healer, and the author of The Sovereignty Knot, A Woman's Way to Freedom, Power, Love, and Magic. Mythology and folklore are medicine for the modern soul. Let's hear today's story and explore why it still matters. Today's episode is brought to you by The Heroine's Knot, an online community for creative creatures on the quest for self-expression and collective renewal. In this group, we untangle the knots of our contemporary creative lives, connect to the greater web, and weave new stories. Part healing space, part writing and creative community, part innovation incubator, part training ground for heroines seeking practical and magical solutions to the individual and collective dilemmas that shape our modern world. In The Heroine's Knot, we call on mythology, archetypal wisdom, and our relationship with nature. We root into something wild and timeless, even as we design something new and necessary that will guide our next evolutionary steps. Learn more about the Heroines Not community over on my website, marisagowdy.com, or check the show notes for the link. Season 2, Episode 7, Bowen Remembered, a story of poetic inspiration by Laura Murphy. Our guest, Laura Murphy, is an activist, healer, and poet-in-residence for Herstory, the powerful movement in Ireland telling stories of modern, historic, and mythical women. Laura is a passionate campaigner for Ireland's mother and baby home survivors and other issues surrounding equality, environmental and social healing, including the recent successful campaign to make Bridget's Day a national public holiday in Ireland. Laura's work is centered around the ancient Irish poetic practice of Imbus Forosni. Imbus Forosni means inspiration that illuminates. Comparable to the Buddhist concept of enlightenment or contemporary flow state, Imbus Forosni is said to be a gift of the goddesses Bowen and Bridget. It was a practice mastered by the ancient poets of Ireland to bring truth to power and healing to society. I am so excited to welcome Laura Murphy onto Not Work Storytelling today. We will dive into all the miraculous connections we already seem to have, though we're meeting for the first time after Laura tells us a story. Laura, will you guide us in, bring us into your tale? It would be an honor. I am going to tell the story of Bowen today. The story that remains of Bowen, who is an ancient primordial goddess of Ireland, is the story that's been written down in the Middle Ages by male Christian monks. So I'm very thankful to the monks for recording the story because it's by virtue of the fact that they wrote the story down that it we still have it today. However, because they came from their own perspective, their own religious perspective, at the time of Christianizing Ireland out of its pagan ways or pre-Christian ways, their story 
does come to us with a layer of bias. And that's unfortunately a patriarchal bias. So in my opinion, Bowen is probably one of the most powerful and important archetypal energies from our mythological pantheon. To me, she feels like Mother Mary. She feels like a primordial mother goddess. But because of the way the story was written down and because of efforts from the Catholic Church and from the patriarchy over the last thousand years or so, we have largely forgotten the significance of Bowen and we have forgotten her importance and she's been relegated to a person who is considered sinful, who is considered shameful and who got punished for her sins, which sounds familiar if we think of how the biblical Eve was treated for tasting the apple. It was her sin. It wasn't Adam's sin. But what did she do? She tasted wisdom. Why was she punished for that? That's the big question. And what part did that story play in the suppression of the feminine since it was written down in the Old Testament and then with Bowen in Old Catholic Ireland, did that story change how we perceive the feminine? How was it related to how we've been destroying the planet, suppressing our own inner feminine? And how can our reclamation of the feminine help us in the healing that needs to happen on a personal level and a collective level and for the planet today? So I have been very interested in the gift of Bowen, which is a concept known as Imbus Ferocne. So Bowen was the goddess who released Imbus into the land of Ireland And Imbus is an old Irish word for inspiration that illuminates, the great wisdom that enlightens. So given that Bowen is the goddess who released this great wisdom into Ireland and into the world, it was always my feeling that she is far more than just a sinner. And she was punished, but she is also a goddess and an archetype that can give us the gift of imbus and give us the gift of healing if we understand how to work with her and if we understand how to invoke her. So three years ago with Cathy Scott, our mutual friend, I was working on how how I would possibly bring out this knowledge of imbus because it's been suppressed and very few people know about it. How I would go about bringing this out in my writing So she very inspiringly suggested that I invoke a mantra. And the mantra I invoked was, I am Imbus embodied. And I said this mantra on a daily basis to really diligently ensure that before I brought this energy out into the world, that I was actually embodying it. But be careful what you wish for, because (laughs) no sooner had I started Encanting this mantra, then I got very, very sick and I became debilitated with Lyme. And that landed me in three years of darkness and dare I say hell. But it was in that time and it was in that darkness 
that was the real gift of Imbus because Imbus can only come to us when we have the courage to surrender into the dark or to look in the deepest depths of the well, the deepest depths of the shadow. So as difficult as it all was, I believe that that three years in the darkness gave me the opportunity to really embody and understand Owen and understand Imbus and understand her gift. And I am literally only now coming out of that three years of debilitation back out into the world. I'll be starting my day job in a few weeks, but it's at the point that you invited me on to this podcast that I said, maybe now is the time to finish her story and write her story from a place of remembering and from a place of embodying her archetype and living her archetype. I don't think it's possible for us to intellectually go back and outline where the monks were wrong. And we have no proof or no evidence we can surmise, but nobody can argue with a woman's lived experience. So that's the story I want to tell today. Oh, Laura, there's so many points of commonality already appearing again, but Let's begin with the story and then we'll dive in and talk more. The story is called Bowen Remembered. Many moons ago, in the place known as the Sacred Island, lived a woman named Bowen. She was married to a man named Necton. Necton was the guardian of a secret, sacred well. Bowen was forbidden from approaching this well. Only Necton and his three male cupbearers were allowed to look inside. Necton knew not how to love Bowen. She knew not how to love him in return. Hers was a beauty that dulled the candle flames, yet he could not see. Hers was a scent that radiated the purest rose, yet he could not smell. Hers was a wisdom that spanned the deepest depths, yet he could not hear. Hers was a strength that could move mountains, yet he could not feel. Hers was a love that was as pure as the flowing river, yet he could not taste. She lived with him in the place she called home, but to home she longed to return. Necton's touch was as cold as his heart. His meeting of her was cruel and unkind. And so it was on winter's darkest night. She left her cold, damp bed and she walked into the half light. Off I walked into the night, for neither fire nor stove would give off light. The dead heart spoke of what I would become if I did not leave this place I called home. She was terrified, afraid to her core. Be not afraid, said the whispering trees. 
their shadows dancing in the blustery winds. Let yourself fall, dear child of the wild. The path will rise to meet you. Let it go. Let it all go. Everything you know, just let it go. It is time to go. And so it was on winter's longest night, Bowen let go. She left her husband, her home, all she had ever known, and she fell into the deep unknown. Minute by long minute passed, weary she wandered, heavy feet bringing her nowhere fast. Wandering here, wandering there, whether she lived or died, she had no care. I suppose that's how she stayed alive. No fear from which to run or hide. Or as some may say, it was her noble pride. Her hands and feet became frozen and sore. She lay down on the icy grass because she could take no more. As she lay down in her final surrender, her eyes were drawn to the horizon where she saw a star gently rising. This is the star we call Venus. With one star awake and hanging low in the sky, a feeling of awe came over Bowen. The star moved slowly towards her. As it came closer, it took the shape of a rose. Rose breath filled the air. The warm, golden-hued rose star rested softly in front of Bowen. She rose to her feet as the star radiated brilliant beams of solace or golden light into her heart. Danu appeared from the center of the star. Bowen bowed. Danu spoke softly. Awaken from your slumber, precious one of the stars. For too long have you forgotten your natural inheritance. Too far have you strayed from the memory of your own divinity. Disconnected are you from my numinous land. Stranger are you to my mystical light. It is time to realize your destiny. Dream no more of a myth set in stone. Kindle the light within your own heart. Call me by my name once more. Freedom awaits once you open the door. Oskil the Cree, Astor, Oskil the Cree. Open your heart, love. Open your heart. I have made the road to be a path of stars before your wandering feet. Follow these stars until you see a big bright star of silvery blue light shining like a second sun in the sky. 
the star they call Sirius. Under this star is where you will find the well. Always realize what willpower can achieve. Remember who you are. Remember, remember, remember. Danu faded into the brightening air. By the light of Danu's grace, Bowen began to walk. The stony road, now a path of stars. It wasn't long before she found the well. She was nervous approaching it, but had unbreakable conviction. She was determined to fulfill her duty, her destiny, no matter how low her energy. She remembered Danu's words. Uskal decree a store, Uskal decree. Her heart opened and by her heart she was guided. She kneeled before the well. At that moment, three stars lit up the sky. The three stars we know today as Orion's belt. From each of these stars, a river of the purest cosmic silver light flowed. The first of these stars flowed with the light of wisdom into the alchemical chalice of her head. Her mind lit up with crystal clear clarity, purest wisdom. The well spoke. There is fire in your head. The second star flowed with the light of love into the alchemical chalice of her heart. Her heart illuminated with solace ore and she began to shine with the light of her internal sun. She radiated unconditional love. The well spoke. There is fire in your heart. The third star flowed with the light of power into the alchemical chalice of her belly. The core of her being blazed with an internal powerful force, an ever available, unwavering, steadfast strength of will. The well spoke. There is fire in your belly. Now you are ready. Bowen arose and stood in the majestic power of her own glory. Feeling the wind in her hair, she chanted an incantation. Because pure wisdom can only come to the pure of heart. Time I am my heart. She began to walk around the well. 
first in the direction of the sun and then away. She looked into the well and summoned all its earthly powers. With that, the fiery waters of Imbus rose up from the well. A fountain of flaming waves burst through with a force that Bowen could not withstand. So great was the force that it took out one of her perfect eyes. She also lost a hand and a foot as the waves washed over her. Frightened, not knowing where to turn, she began to run. The water followed her until she came to the place called Sheed in Broga, the star temple of Newgrange. The brightest of lights shone from the mound in a myriad of different iridescent colours. An opalescent splendour that stunned her. The water stopped chasing her. Instead, it hung in the sky, suspended over the mound and transformed into the river of stars we know today as the Milky Way, Balak Nabofina. She heard the voice of Danu whisper again, follow the stones, see where they lead. The light of his song will guide you. Bowen walked slowly into the cross-shaped chamber. The place where no light resides. She felt herself merge with the darkness. Her senses seemed to sublimate. There was pure silence. A deep peace came dropping slow. She sat there a while. Then a beautiful melody began to emanate from the ether. The melody turned into a song with the male voice whispering these illuminated words. Present at the birth of a moment, stillness in the silence. I am peace. Present at the birth of a moment, spirit in the silence. I am presence. Present at the birth of a moment, solace in the silence. I am power. In front of her, she saw a man of such shining loveliness and bright honour that she could not help but bow in his presence. With the kindest smile she had ever seen, 
he outstretched his hand and invited her to stand. Then he kneeled before her. It is you, Bowen, the one I have been waiting for. You who is the source of all wisdom. You who is the source of all love. You who is the source of my deepest heart's desire. Bowen looked into his eyes. A tear fell from hers. She stood and rested her head on his chest. His arms held her in the warmest embrace she had ever known. She was safe. She was protected. She was home. He placed his hands one by one on each of her open wounds. His healing hands felt like balm. He kissed her softly from head to toe. The embarrassment from her disfigurement faded away. Dagda, she said, tears still flowing. Embarrassed was I of my dismemberment and pain. I tried to hide, but you lifted the veil. You have eyes to see, not my tattered hood, but a crown of stars. Thank you for seeing me. Thank you for hearing me. Thank you for tasting me. Thank you for touching me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for healing me. Now I remember. The broken parts of me reassemble through your beholding. I am whole again. I am me. Time McCree. Tears started to flow from Dagda's eyes. The sorrow of everything she had been through hit him like a spear in his heart. The respect he had for how she carried herself as she walked barefoot over fire and stone was immense. To him, she was home. Her gentle essence soothed his war-weary soul. Lysias Mastor, lay with me and let me love you. Bowen lay down and she let him love her. She opened and she loved him in return. Their bodies merged in beautiful, sacred union. Their souls expanded to the heights of heaven and to the depths of inner earth. 
so powerful was their great love that the sun stopped still in reverence. They felt forever in that moment. It was then that love was conceived and born in one single moment. They called him by his name, Angus Oak, the one wish from whence he came. Bowen held Angus in her arms as Dagda held them both in his. Never were they so happy as they were in that moment. Then, through the gap in the chamber, Bowen could see silver drops of water begin to fall once more from the sky. She knew that the suspended river of stars was about to turn again into a gush of water and tumble wave by wave back onto the earth, giving her chase. She knew she had to run. She kissed her two beloveds, bestowing a blessing that would be with them forever. Her love. Tears streaming down her face. She left the mound and began to run towards the sea. The river crashed down in calamitous fury and followed her all the way, dismembering her again as she went. First a finger, then an ear, then a foot until she was barely able to reach the sea. Anywhere a piece of her body landed, a wild rose grew. The earth was thanking her for the blessing she bestowed. The blessing of fertility. From her sacrifice came new growth. From her dying came life. Exhausted and deep in pain, she finally reached the seashore as the moon became full and was rising over the horizon. She fell on the sand and made her final surrender. Waves lapped gently as they carried her exhausted body into the sea. She closed her eye and a beautiful soft smile graced her battered face. A tear fell into the shimmering salt water. She remembered Dagda. She remembered Angus. She remembered Time McCree. She remembered. She took one more breath and with Dagda's melody, she softly sang her last words. I am Ireland, ever ancient, ever new. Great my glory, I who bore Cúchulain the brave. Great my truth, I am the light of Bridget's eternal flame. Great my love, I am she who called Angus by his name. Great my sorrow, I am my children's abiding pain. 
Great my wisdom, imbus from the depths of my womb. Great my beauty, island of rivers, trees and stone. I am freedom. I am Ireland. I am home. From that moment, Bowen existed as the infinite ocean of bliss, forever enlightening, forever inspiring. Her trail now flows as the sacred river Boyne across the great land of Ireland, infusing the island and its people with imbus, the energy of love, healing, wisdom and growth, the energy of creation itself. From her ordeal, the land began to flourish and its people became the she, the shining ones. Illuminated with the light of Imbus, they became immortal by their own strength of will and knowledge. Superhuman in power and beauty, their poetry, art and music would enchant and heal people across the world for all time. And so the ancient Ion prophecy was fulfilled. Out of Ireland will arise a light to transform many ages and peoples. And every winter solstice, if you listen carefully, Bowen reveals her mystery. I have died. I have risen. I will come again. Laura, that's the first story of not work to make me weep. So thank you for that. And wow. It's never been quite so hard to follow up a story with a conversation, but mm -hmm. we'll find a way. And you gave us that gift of stillness in the midst of the story. That gives us that permission to remember that's how we remember and put the pieces together and pause. Exactly. So perhaps if our listeners need to press pause and just take a walk about for a bit before, that in itself would be the greatest gift, perhaps. Oh, but what a journey you took us on from, I just, there's that gratitude one feels even in the midst of the pain that says, oh, she's not going to let us go. We're going to have to go through every piece of this story with Bowen. But I've just heard you say it a million times and then I panic about how to say it. Oh God. There's there's a few ways. There's right. Bowen or Bowen. I think interesting that the Bowen Bowen that that's where you got stuck because yeah. 
She is more known to us as Boan, B-O-A-N-N, which I like because there's Anu or Danu mm-hmm. in that word. And I right. believe Danu is can be seen as her mother. But the version of her name that I'm most drawn to is Bowin, B-O-I-N-N, B-O-F-A-D-A-I-N-N, because that's more in line with the root words of the Irish word bow, which means cow, and I-N-N, which comes from the Indo-European word or the ancient Irish word for fin or F-I-N-D which means illuminated or white Mm. or wise. So Mm. though, you know, that version of her name, which is very important because energy comes with the name, means the illuminated cow, the Mm -hmm. goddess who gives us the sustenance of her sacred wisdom. And when you drew in the Milky Way, all those pieces of the story, because I first encountered that in 32 Words for Field was where I first had started immersing myself. And I, that was a passage that launched a hundred journal entries, as will be our conversation today. Because the way you took us to the furthest stars and the most distant planets, and then deep into the water that flows and into her body in, in all of its beautiful, glorious disfigurement and her healing and her being able to fall apart again. Like the humanity you imbued for us into a goddess in a culture where knowing these stories, you couldn't be sovereign if your body was imperfect. And that's always been one of those interesting pieces that sits and says, but we know how do we make room for different kinds of bodies and different kinds of abilities And that was such a gift just baked into this story that you offered us to say, oh, she was whole, she was flawed, she was whole, she was flawed again, and then she became all. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Gorgeous. And that's what's been, I mean, there was so much sanitized in the original, you know, in in the middle medieval telling that we have of the story. Mm -hmm. But what we've sanitized in our own culture is, the beauty of imperfection Mm -hmm. and as you say the sovereignty that you can still when I felt dismembered I was disfigured when in the depth of my life my light Mm -hmm. had completely gone I wasn't Mm -hmm. able to shine I was in my darkness my looks were gone everything was taken away Mm -hmm. and I had to surrender into that I had no choice Mm -hmm. but it was in that place of purest vulnerability and ugliness for the want of a better word and disempowerment Mm. that I found my truest essence Mm. and that made me be able to come out and shine in my truest beauty when the ordeal was over and that's the beauty that comes from within that's the soul essence but that can only come when you embrace your shadow, your ego dies, you know, in as much as it can die, and that we lose or we don't place as much importance on these superficial notions of beauty mm. and the damage that that can do. Mm. So now I can go out without makeup. I can, <laughs> you know, I'm, I can present myself just in the beauty or the flawed version of, of who I am in whatever moment either is called for. 
I love the way, of course, this story is enormous. It's the size of the entire universe. And the little lime spirochetes that catch us are as small as small can be. And they influence our own personal stories in ways that may feel, gosh, this is too small to talk about. Because I will say to you that, so I contracted Lyme myself in 2005, and it was my portal into an entirely new world of understanding my body and healing. And it in and of itself was, it was a bitch and it was horrible. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I met my entire circle of healers. And I mentioned that because this is a love story contained in something so cosmic, after having had her heart so broken and then reuniting, my husband proposed to me in my first throes of Lyme. And it was always his joke. He's like, I got her when she was weak. I knew I could pull her in. <laughs> but it had been the plan before I got really sick. And then it was just, it, he felt it needed to happen right then. So he'd be like, he like practically carried me up a mountain and said, we're going to do, we need to go and watch the sunset today. And he proposed to me. But that means, I mean, the meaning that was coming through there with Dagda was that it was true love. It was him in his divine masculine because he was able to love her and see through the disfigurement into the essence. And it was that seeing that helped heal her. It wasn't the thing that healed her because she was healing herself beforehand, but she, that readied her for to meet her divine masculine. And you had that exact experience in your moment of disfigurement. And how true is that love and how healing is that love? Right. Right. Yes. And it seems particularly potent as we're in this COVID moment. My husband is still recovering from that right now. And I'm in this place of how can I hold him in that? Oh. So it's just, wow, thank you just for help that the poetry of all of it continues to flow. The reciprocity, is that the mm. word? So, yeah, it's, it's give and take, it's giving and receiving, and it's just holding and beholding. Yeah. It was Dr. Martin Shaw, I, I went to see him in Yates. Yates had a castle here in Ireland and Martin Shaw gave a workshop in the castle. And I went at to a tour Ballalee. Yeah. I'm yeah. looking at a picture of it right now. It's right there over my desk. Oh, magic, magic, <laughs> magic, spiral staircases. Like what Martin Shaw in that workshop said that when a thing to be seen is actually different to being beheld. So being seen is important. Right. But when you behold a thing, that has an alchemical power that reassembles, that can make whole. You're being truly seen, but it's like you're being joined in the experience that is being you. So I really, really let that stew in my kind of emergence of this story it was like there's something in Necton Bowen's original husband who mm -hmm. wasn't able to see her yes and I could have gone down the route that oh Necton was a he was just you know he was a fecker he didn't see her he was awful but Necton probably was just a man who wasn't able to live in his divine masculine at that time right. and I was very clear to make sure in the story that she wasn't able to love him at that mm -hmm. stage either mm -hmm. but it's when bone went on to do her own healing and alchemized the shadow and pain that was in her heart 
that readied her to meet Dagda and it readied her to be seen and to be beheld by him. And that was the moment that sacred union happened and the God of love was conceived in that beholding. Mm. Oh, yeah, so much there. I saw Necton as the, the guy who was so busy doing the work that he couldn't actually open his heart because he was fulfilling his role of like, yeah. I've got an entire well to manage. I've got a staff. I just, it's great to be married, but can you just take care of the hearth? Because I've got this work to do, which of course, is that a rare thing in stories to have a male well guardian? That seems yeah. such a shift from the stories we know about the well maidens and all these pieces. So I thought that was so interesting in and of itself. It's like, oh, the waters needed to be restored to the divine feminine holder mm. of space. She had to be the one to behold it because the world was a little out of joint when it was seen as a municipal waterworks action, when it might have been in his hands. Right? <laughs> That's a really good observation about Necton. And it's so, I mean, this story could be thousands of years old, but how relevant is that today in our busyness and our inability to connect in with our hearts and I think 50% of marriages end up splitting up. And like, why is that? Right. Well, this story of Necton and Bowen is so relevant to all of that contemporary stuff. Yes. Yes. And this idea of to behold rather than quote unquote, just to see that. Thank you. That is a gift beyond gifts that there'll be a point you and I'll sit down with a cup of tea and I'll tell you all the inside depths of all oh. those pieces. But I've been so struck with how this idea of, yes, to, to see and be seen, it is so important, but it seems to always have a sheen of modernity over it that we've mm -hmm. misunderstood it to a degree because we're in this, you know, see me now on Instagram culture to a degree. We know there's a primal urge and need inside to be seen, mm -hmm. but we've and, and I, I want to say it's not even we, it's it's been sold to us in this kind of capitalist patriarchal system to say, keep it at this level, because to be seen here, to be able to, just to be able to perform or just to be able to glow for others, that's quite enough, isn't it now? Mm -hmm. And it almost stops us before it's those fullest depths of, what if we behold one another rather than just keep it as, I need to be seen? Exactly. And that gives us permission to move beyond the superficial Instagram grid where everything is perfect and to be able to bear witness at an appropriate time to be able to show our vulnerabilities. Now, I do believe that there is a time to keep it all to yourself because that's mm -hmm. the solitude and that's the power. But there's also a time to let yourself be seen and witnessed in that vulnerability by somebody you trust. And that's the power. And like mm. that goes back. That's not like woo woo because that goes back to quantum physics because yeah. quantum physics says that 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 is witnessed or observed, the power of observation changes whatever is observed. Mm. So that's my sense of a sacred witness. Sacred witness can be a soul sister. Your sacred witness can be your beloved. And when you are held in trust, you can let yourself be seen and be held and healing happens from that point. Yes. 
So before you and I started recording, I told you about taking my eight-year-old daughter into the cave at Awenagat. Yes. And I mentioned to you that in there, I met more. I met the dark face of the goddess in this cave. But what she gave me as a gift was the message completely about being seen. And it was that sense of how is it that you expect to become the companion of a goddess who's from the womb cave of Ireland, and to think that being seen is part of your story. And so she said, you need to turn your back from the crowd and look out to the horizon and speak your story to the furthest sunset horizon and trust that the wind will carry your voice back to whomever it is that needs to hear it. And you just gave me this gift of realizing that's when the word seen can be pulled out of the equation as part of the process that gets you there. But once you're in the darkness, all you can do is behold. Yes. And it's from that point, it's from beholding the darkness. So my beholding of the darkness is what allowed the spark of Imbus illumination to happen. And it's when Bowen went into the dark chamber of Newgrange Mm -hmm. that that spark of the solstice light came through the chamber. On the longest night, the darkest night, when she beheld her darkness and the darkness, that the spark of Imbus illumination came And her destiny was fulfilled in that she was able to give birth to the God of love. But the message in that part of the story is the power of beholding the dark. And Mm -hmm. that's where alchemy happens, the point of alchemy, because darkness is needed as the essence to transmute, to get to the gold, to get to the light. Can there be any light without that process of transmutation? The Tao would say no, and Irish mythology would say no. I would love for you to take us deeper into Imbus and speak to that, because I feel like that's a phrase that I've been in love with. It's actually on the first page of my journal of the year. So, of course, this was all called in at exactly when when needed to happen. But Take us deeper in there. I feel like there's something, there's something that needs to be said. Can you take us further into Imbus? I can. And again, I, I'll have to start from my own personal journey. Yes. <laughs> it's a thing, again, that was suppressed. Mm. Not many people have heard of the word Imbus for Rosne, even though it was probably one of the most important things in our ancient mythology. It was a practice used by the ancient poets of Ireland in order to draw down a higher wisdom and inspired truth. And the poets were the most important people in society, apart from the king, because they used this imbus ferocene to divine truth and prophecy and advise the king so that he could lead in right relationship with the land and the people. Mm-hmm. And Imbus Rosne was banned when St. Patrick came to Christianize Ireland in 433 AD. He banned the practices for Imbus Rosne. And it's all about being forgotten. Like literally, it's been written out of history, even though it's 
the central thing on which our society was based and flourished on. But when we go back further, Imbus was a gift of the goddess Bowen. She was the one who brought the, you know, Imbus from the depths of the earth and from the cosmos through in the well. And Imbus was also a gift of the goddess and saint Bridget. Mm-hmm. But it was that Imbus that when patriarchy came and all the different guises, whether it's colonization or whether it's, it's Catholic Ireland, Imbus was what was suppressed. But if we look at Imbus as, as being wisdom and we go back to Eve, the story, Eve, when she ate the apple, you know, that was her tasting wisdom. And that was portrayed as her being, you know, sinful and causing the downfall of humanity. So therefore, now we looked as our original mother symbol as the sinner and the cause of our downfall instead of being our great mother. And the same fate happened to Bowen and I suppose Mary Magdalene to a a degree who was said to have been a prostitute when she really wasn't. So... I had never heard like many people, even people that are really passionate about Irish spirituality and mythology. Very few people know of Imbus Ferocene. I was on a sacred pilgrimage in 2013 that connected Bridget's birthplace to her death place. It's Mm. It's a straight line. It's an alignment of sacred sites that include the Hill of Slain and include Tara and Kildare. But on the Hill of Slain, I had this spontaneous experience, mystical experience that could take a whole podcast to describe. But suffice it to say that after the experience, all this poetry started to flow from nowhere as I was walking over the River Boyne the next morning. (laughs) Oh, and the intention I had on going on the pilgrimage was to figure out and understand how do I use these innate gifts of healing that I had and poetry. I didn't have a clue how to to combine them and use them. Mm. Anyway, when I explained this mystical experience that I had on Slain, Emer Burke, who's actually a renowned druid, said, that sounds like Imbus Ferocene. So I then started to research everything on Imbus Ferocene. And then I was like, this because my background is communications so I was like I am in a good position here to actually help bring this back into the consciousness of the people Mm -hmm. and Imbus is the energy of healing it's the energy of poetry it was like this feels like my dharma it feels like that intention I set is being answered in this reviving and remembering of Imbus and I didn't realize at the time but the hill of slain where I had the mystical experience at a ceremony where a fire was lit was the exact place that St. Patrick lit the Paschal fire in 433 AD to wave goodbye to our indigenous ways and bring in Catholicism at that exact place at the equinox. And Patrick, he banned Imbus. All these pieces started to come to me after when I was researching. So I was like, we were the first group that walked that pilgrimage line in thousands of years because it had been suppressed. And that was the feminine line of Ireland. So what we unknowingly and innocently did was we walked 
the pilgrimage with the intention of reviving Bridget consciousness in Ireland and balancing the masculine and the feminine. But what we didn't know was that we relit, we lit another fire, the fire of the divine feminine at that PowerPoint on Slain, which is the intersection of the masculine, the Patrick line and the Bridget line. It is the same spot that Patrick lit the, the fire saying goodbye to our indigenous ways. We relit a fire of the divine feminine, the Imbus fire. And 10 years to the year after that, we see that Bridget's Day becomes a national holiday. And I was a key member of the team who, who campaigned for that as well. But Imbus came to me very spontaneously very magically and it's been creating magic ever since and that's the reason I was so intent on being able to remember Bowen's story. Oh Laura the wonderful thing is that I think I already have your agreement to come back at Imbolc to come tell us more Bridget's stories because I don't want to end this conversation but yet you just finished us at exactly where we need to be at this intersection of the masculine and the feminine, the intersection of this past and present of our ancient pagan roots and the Christianity that has made the cultures that have raised and shaped our worlds. Thank you so much for this gift. Thank you. And beyond words and the poet, I just, the poetry of what you gave to us, If everyone could see, I was honest, I was just rocking with you in the incantations that you gave to us. And I will be continuing to go back and listen to this myself again and again, because you took us on such a journey into the heart, into the rose, into the stars. Well, it was an absolute pleasure, Marissa. And I know the synchronicity of of getting the invite from you, who is a soul sister that I just met in the physical, but with so many connections, I felt really, really safe because this story has just been written and it's based on that deep vulnerability that I've just been in for the last three years. But the safety at which you held that, it was such an honor to express this story that means so much personally and I suppose maybe collectively. But I also have to thank a friend of mine called Anthony Murphy, because without him, I wouldn't have been able to experience Imbus in the way that I have initially, and also connect Bowen's story in with all of the astrological and astronomical ways that I did, because he is a writer and an astronomer and an amazing person doing wonders to really revive and remember a lot of our lost ancient knowledge. And he discovered Bridget's Way, and he also uh, has written books that have made these discoveries between connecting the myths and the astronomy and the stars. And he's a very close personal friend, and he was instrumental in my remembering. And he's a lovely divine masculine. And without him, you know, I don't know how clear or how far I would have gotten the journey. I've been following his work. I haven't, it's so expansive. I haven't really felt like ready to completely dive in, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I think you just offered me the invitation and I may at some point ask you for an introduction because I'm oh, so I excited would, to get to know yeah, his work. It would be honored. <laughs> oh, hooray. 
Well, I want to thank you. I also need to say it's finally started raining here in the Hudson Valley after a summer of drought. So in the midst of this conversation, we've called in the rain. May it be falling upon all of the dry, dry fields of America. But thank you for offering us these great rivers of wisdom and of peace and of love. How can people find more about you and your work and immerse themselves in more of your poetry and your brilliance? They can find me on Instagram. I'm at Everose, E-V-E-R-O-S-E on Instagram. And I will provide all of those links to find you. Laura, thank you. From the depths of my heart, Mila Buikas, thank you. Well, Grawmore, sister, thank you. Thank you for listening to Not Work Storytelling. Please subscribe and review the show on your favorite podcast platform and do share this episode with other lovers of myth and story. By the way, everyone is a lover of myth and story, even if they've forgotten. You can find out more about my writing, my book, my courses, and how to work with me as a coach, as well as my online community, The Heroine's Knot, at marisagowdy.com. Follow the show on Instagram at Knotwork Podcast and join our listeners group on Facebook. Gratefully, I live, write, work, and record this podcast on the ancestral lands of the Muncie Lenape tribe, whose name means original people. Remember, ancient stories are medicine for our modern maladies, and your stories can help heal the past, anchor us into the present, and create a more beautiful, sustainable future.